Welcome to episode 32 of Your Town Crime, Mountain View, Missouri. I talk about a historic murder, and Shannon brings you a serial killer. We'd like to thank Podbean.com for getting our podcast out to you guys, and also like to thank Podbelly.com for teaching us how to start a podcast. Go to both of those websites if you'd like to start your own podcast. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to episode 32, Mountain View, Missouri. Oh my gosh, 32? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You had to say it. <laughs> We've been having a great month. A lot of new listeners. Mm-hmm. And, uh, thank you all for, for finding us. Uh, however y'all did that, please go tell your friends so we can have more listeners. It's great. It's fun seeing seeing the numbers go up all the time every month. And, uh, and it's uh, pretty exciting for us. Uh, yes, and really hope, exciting. Hope you're in... You're enjoying the podcast. I've talked to some people this week, and they said that they're uh, they've been binging it, and their moms they showed it to their moms, told their oh, moms gosh. and sisters about it, and their, their <laughs> mom is binging it now. And hi, moms. Yeah. So <laughs> hey, and thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, this is your first episode. What we do at the end of every episode, we get a, a dart, a real live dart, and we throw it at a map. We got a map on a cork board. Uh, throw the dart at it, and that's the town we choose. That's the town we uh, we uh, research. That's the town we find our, our true crime in, um, and we go from there. Yes. It's been very exciting, and it's been neat to see, uh, to go across the United States and learn about different towns. Okay, this week we're at Mountain View, Missouri. Yeah, and it's a small town. This was the hardest one to research for me. What yeah. About you? Same. It was. It was very, which is a good thing. There's not a lot. I mean, at least yeah, for, for my you, part. Yeah, from your part, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for the history part, uh, I did find some things. I had to go uh, to the Chamber of Commerce site, and there was a, uh, they had a, a little online magazine there that I looked through and okay. found a little a little blurb there of the history. Uh, but there's not a lot out there on the interwebs. Uh, so. Which that sounds really nice because there's so much on the internet right now. Right. right. <laughs> I bet it's like nice to unplug. It, What's I'm that sure. like? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I talked to a guy today that had had spent 28 days in the woods by himself. Oh, recently just uh, just went off and spent some time with himself and. Okay, that's and, excessive. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and he just unplugged, and he said when he came back, he was just he's almost sick of when he walked in his house of all the stuff he has, you know. Oh. Just, he didn't need it for 28 days, and then all of a sudden there's all this stuff. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, lives are crazy. Uh, yes. We've got a lot going on. I had a soccer game earlier today, uh, just right before, right before this, uh, coached a soccer game, little five-year-olds, five, Aww. four, five, under six. So cute. Yeah, they were, they were, it was a blast. I don't even know who won and it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, uh, it doesn't matter. They had a great time. Uh, several goals scored by both teams. Yay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I saw. Saw Mason last week. He was playing on the playground. Oh, yeah. 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 He's, he's a funny little guy. Yeah. So I have to tell you, this is just a random story, but it, it's kind of funny, especially if you, if you know me. 
which you do. So it's going to be funny. So we <laughs> went to furniture shopping and we were trying to, I was trying, Ryan, my husband's not doing anything like that, but I was trying to figure out the pieces I wanted in our sunroom. Right. So, and I, people have told me, like my dad used to tell me he was a big like haggler. Is that a word? Yeah. Okay. He was a big haggler with uh, prices. Like he would go buy a truck and then somehow get a motor home with a truck for a cheaper price. Like <laughs> <laughs> just like weird stuff like that is right. not heard of. Um, or like throw in like 12, I don't know. Anyway, so I had heard you could haggle prices at furniture stores and I was, I told my husband, I'm like, okay, while we're in here, I'm going to try to haggle the price. And he looked at me and said in his monotone voice, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, listen, I can do it. So I walked around the store and I was like hyping myself up because I'm not confrontational. And usually if, even when I know I'm being overcharged, I'll be like, okay like yeah (laughs) thank you it was so great yeah or if my food comes back yeah (laughs) if my food comes back wrong i will not send it back like i'll you do send it back no i don't oh i don't i don't yeah i'm like uh it is what it is it's raw chicken i love it (laughs) (laughs) so anyway so i was like okay i'm gonna do this so the guy comes up i already know what i want (laughs) and i said so are these prices firm? <laughs> he was like, looked at me and he knew immediately like, no, like it's not working with her. And he was like, no, he's like, what you see is it's already discounted, yeah. which it wasn't. Every piece had a yellow tag. He right. tried to say that oh, yeah. you're getting a good price because it has a yellow tag. And I'm like, well, every piece of furniture, <laughs> but yeah, me, we marked it all up so we could put a yellow yeah. tag on everything and, and call I'm it like, a sale. In my head, I'm like, well, every piece, but I don't say it because right. I'm too passive. So <laughs> I said, okay, well, what if I bought the couch and the love seat? would I get a discount? And he's like, no, sorry. I wish I could. And I was like, okay, what about the couch, the love seat and the chair? And he's like, sorry. It just <laughs> is like, I can't do anything. My hands yeah. are tied. And I was like, okay. And I was like, so excited when I'm saying it. Cause I'm trying to like, like hop I'm, myself I'm up. Him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm okay. What if I got all three pieces by this time? Ryan is long gone. Yeah. Like he has left me. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I'm just standing here by myself and I'm like, okay, what, what if I buy the three furniture pieces, the coffee table and the rug, is there a discount there? And he's like, Oh, I wish I could. And I was like, okay, I'll take the couch and the chair. And he's like, done. And it, that was it. It was a <laughs> Five minute conversation. <laughs> like he won. Yeah. I got nothing. I was like, oh. he didn't budge a bit. I was mortified. I was no like, way. that did not work at all. <laughs> Cause in my head, I was like, okay. And I even asked for the delivery fee to be cut. And he yeah. was like, we can't. And I'm like, I can't catch a deal. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> How do people do this? I don't know. Uh, that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> So you haggled and he's like, no. Yeah, he, he was he bit. was immediately like, just I mean, he was nice, but he nope. was just like, sorry. And I was like, that's fine. What if? <laughs> that's uh, to be fair, I mean. Well, you did try. Yeah, I did try. And I'll never try that again. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. You did. You did good. Yeah, it's worth a shot. All I can say, my mom always said, all I can say is no. I know. No hurts. That's right. Well, <laughs> it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt that bad. Um, well, I've got I've got a s- surprise for you. Uh-oh. Got an email. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to read the email. Uh-oh. Uh, I, I asked the person if we could read it on air, and I didn't get a response yet. I uh, just got it yesterday. Uh, 
but anyway, I'm going to read the email, but I'm not going to say their name. I also uh, asked if we could use their name, and since I didn't get a response, I'm not going to say their name. But if you do send us an email, just be prepared that it may be read on the podcast. Okay. So just know that out of the box. Uh, I think that's pretty fair. You spent send us one. So I'm going to read it. Uh, Shannon doesn't know about this. So, uh, so anyway, just going to read it for you. It says, uh, hi, Jason and Shannon. I'm thoroughly enjoying your podcast. Oh, love it already. Yep, I thought you would. <laughs> I've been binging for two days now. My hometown is Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Oh, cool. The reason there are two county seats, if you'll remember, okay. if you go back, there was two county seats, and we're like, why do they why? have two county? Mm-hmm. Well, we're fixing to find out. <laughs> the Kings River, which is in the county, would flood often, making it difficult to cross, so they decided to have two courthouses. Makes sense. Hmm. Also, they said uh, there are kid-friendly <laughs> activities. There's boating, tubing, fishing, floating, horseback and wagon rides, paintball, candy and ice cream shops. And then there's the Turpentine Creek Refuge and Game Makers. Oh. Yeah. So there's some other, other activities to do if you're in that area. And Eureka Springs, if you all remember, it was beautiful. If you're, yes. on, uh, if you're on Instagram, just go type in Eureka Springs and the hotel that we talked about there. Uh, they've got a site. There's all kinds of things. The, uh, Oh, the, the chapel. Oh, I can't remember the thorn thorn. I want to say the Thornburg, but that's, that's not it. That's a <laughs> movie from the eighties. I believe unless it's the same name. Anyway, there's a chapel there and they have an Instagram and, uh, it's been neat to follow, follow those places in Eureka Springs. So, um, Thorn Crown. Yeah, there we go. Thorn Crown Chapel. Um, and that's been a neat follow. They also say, keep up the great work. I'm really digging the history and notoriety twist of each town. So thank you very much thank for that, you. that wonderful email. That's a feel-good email. Yeah, it makes us feel good. And that's the I th- believe that's the first one we got from somebody who lived in a town. That's so cool. And, and answered podcast, a question. Answered a question, helped us out. Uh, so you know, go back if you haven't heard the Eureka Springs podcast. You can go back to that one and uh, give it a listen, and you'll know a little bit more now. So cool! So thank you so much, uh, and guys, if y'all are from any of these towns or know anything about them, please, please send us some stuff. Uh, we we would appreciate it, and like I said, we will probably include it in the podcast. So just be ready for that. Yes. All right. So I'm going to move into the history. Like I said, this is going to be short. Okay. There wasn't a lot out there. Just a couple paragraphs. Um, but we'll just get right into it. Okay. And since it's short, I'm also going to bring you a historic murder. Okay. How's that sound? That sounds great. All right. Uh, so the history of Mountain View, Missouri, I'll start out by telling you that it's in Howe County, H-O-W-E-L-L, if you can't understand my Southern twang, Howe, Howe County, <laughs> Howe County, Missouri, or it was Missouri, <laughs> Missouri, Missouri, <laughs> Howe County, Missouri on the Arkansas border. Uh, it's right down, it, the county there is right on the border, and it's in the middle of the state. So just right there, you can find it pretty easy. There's about 2,700 people that live here uh, in Mountain View. Started out in 1876. Uh, there was a guy there named John Campbell. He was already there in 1876, and he was selling goods in what was called Old Town. He said that's close to East 5th Street. And the cemetery where that's at now, I found that on the map. I was like, okay, that looks, mm-hmm. that must be where Old Town was. Uh, 1878, John Campbell partnered with John Goldsberry, and they opened up a store 
and plotted Old Town. So that started the first first town in this area, or the first uh, community. It wasn't an official town yet. Uh, the supplies for their store came from Salem, which is about 50 miles north, and the road was very, very rough, so it was kind of hard to get any goods in there. And then the railroad was built through Willow Springs and West Plains, which is to the, to the west of Mountain View. And, uh, they used, and then they'd haul it over land uh, from those two towns, and it was still a rough road. Uh, then the current river road was put through Mountain View in 1886 and 1887, and that made travel a lot easier. So they could get goods there. People could get there easier. Uh, so more people started coming. Uh, with the new road, talk of, talk of the railroad coming through, uh, enticed F.M. Pollock, and he, he was a guy. He owned a lot of land there, about 200 acres, right, right where Mountain View is now. And uh, he said, I'm going to give the railroad a spot for a depot. Mm-hmm. So he did. And that's right where the community center sits now. I found the community center on uh, on the map. I couldn't find the railroad next to it. I don't know if the railroad line's been pulled up there or what, or if a street's been been paved there or if I was looking in the wrong spot. So if you're from Mountain View, let me know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did find it. Uh, but that's the, the information I got from the Chamber of Commerce. That's from their website. So um, after the railroad came, uh, the town started growing really fast. Uh, so in 1908, they were incorporated as a village. And then in 1917, they elected their first mayor, Dr. H.E. Farrell. So from there, the town's grown a little bit more. There's probably about a five-block square downtown. And I looked, and there's nice uh, nice restaurants or several restaurants. I don't know if they're nice, but there's one called <laughs> Granny's. And <laughs> oh, I was Granny's? Like, yeah, I was Aww. like, if you're in Mountain View, you, I, you've got to go eat at Granny's. Yes. Come on. It looked like it, <laughs> um, the hours were from 8 to 2. So you okay. get, a, get a, a late breakfast. I thought that was a little late for breakfast. Maybe they're open a little early. Maybe those weren't exactly the right hours. Mm-hmm. But anyway, eight to two is what it said. Um, but you know, Granny's has got to be good. It has to be. Yeah. So if I'm ever in Mountain View, I'm going to Granny. <laughs> and I hope that they say that when they're there. They talk like that. Uh-huh. They're just like, well, let's go to Granny's for supper or I guess lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to Granny's for lunch. That'd be great. So, all right. That's all the history I've got. Okay. There is some notable people from there. There's one guy that I knew of. I don't know. His, I didn't know his name, but I know his band. Randall Chowning. I uh, didn't know his name, but he's the singer-songwriter, and he's the founding member of the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. You ever heard of that band? Never. Never? <laughs> all right. Have you ever heard of Jesco White? Never. No. All right. <laughs> Jesco White is a mountain dancer. From Boone County, West Virginia. Okay. So there's somebody out there has heard of <laughs> Jesco White. He's been in songs. Uh, he's been in several different songs. There was a movie, a documentary made of him in the 90s. And this thing got passed around on VHS tapes because it's, I mean, it was like it went viral over VHS. And mm. when I was in college, I graduated in 2003. So this is before that. Sometime around 20 years ago. My roommate showed up with this VHS tape <laughs> of this documentary, and it was the wildest thing I've ever seen. Oh, gosh. And it was Jesco White, and it was, he's a mountain dancer, and it's a crazy story. Uh, since then, they've done other documentaries on him and his family, mm-hmm. and it is wild. So Jesco White danced to an Ozark Mountain Daredevil song called If You Want to Get to Heaven. Mm-hmm. 
And the rest of that song is, if you want to get to heaven, you got to raise a little hell. So I don't know how that works out theologically, but uh, <laughs> but that's the name <laughs> of the song, and that's what they sing. So it's a, it is a catchy tune, but uh, it's it's wild. And if you watch Jesco back in the day, uh-huh. he's, he's a lot older now. He's got to be in his 60s or 70s, I guess. Uh-huh. I, I don't know how old he is, but uh, anyway, it is a wild tale. And if you want the more recent documentary, it's called The Wild and Wonderful Whites of Boone County. Okay. See Hank three, that's Hank Hank Williams Jr. the third. Mm-hmm. Hank three, he he wrote a song about him. It's in a big and rich song uh, coming to your city. I don't know. Every time I hear Jesco White in a song, I'm like, I can't believe he <laughs> made it in a song. It says, and then in the middle of a Char- Charleston night, we ran into Jesco White, and a little moonshine got us right, plum smacked insane. Oh gosh. So yeah, it is a wild wild tale. Uh, Jesco, it's in the podcast about Jesco, but he's so wild. It's just crazy. All right, so that's the story of the, the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. <laughs> I'll spare you with any more tales, but I could go on and on about Jesco White. Uh, David Glass is the former CEO of Walmart, mm-hmm. and he is the current owner of the Kansas City Royals. All right, yeah, another guy's named Jalen Acklin. He, he plays for the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. Uh, he played for the Ravens for a minute. Jackie Brown was a dancer in the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro. Oh, that's fun. So now she's the director of the Spintronics Color Guard. All right, now I want to take you to a historic crime. The story was written in the Howe County News. It's called The Two Murders Over a Dog Fight. This happened 121 years ago. So things were a little bit different than they are today in 2021. It happened on June 2nd, 1900. It took three weeks for it to be reported by the West Plains Journal-Gazette. Um, and the headline for that story was called Interesting Murder Case. Mm. So that got people's attention uh, back in 1900. So. There's a quote in the paper that said, One of the most interesting murder trials ever held in Howe County will be that of the case against John Robbins for the killing of Leonard Henderson. So this is the story of John Robbins and Leonard Henderson. Okay. All right, Henderson and Robbins, they weren't strangers, um, and no one knew of any problems with each with those two. So, like, they were friends or just, like, they acquaintances? Were, they were acquaintances. Okay. Uh, they were actually related okay. by marriage. Uh, Robbins' daughter was married to Henderson's brother. Oh, So okay. they knew each other pretty well, and nobody knew of anything between them uh, prior, to, prior to this event that would cause any problems. Uh, they lived about three miles apart from each other mm-hmm. um, and they were both looked highly upon uh, by people in the area and they were prosperous farmers uh, a historian Henry, Henry Smith said they were splendid citizens mm-hmm. so I mean they were they were good guys nobody would have thought anything like this would have happened between them uh, so but what it happened did. Jason all right what happened <laughs> you're on the edge of your seats what happened <laughs> uh, it was a result of a dog fight the killing was it's what I said two murders over a dog fight what happened was Robin's dog got in a fight with another dog just right before this killing happened. And Robin's dog was getting beat, so Robin's held the other dog so his dog could whoop up on it. Interesting. Yeah. So his dog was, was fighting the other dog. When he grabbed it, he was helping his dog. Was that the other dog? Was that the other man's dog? It was not Henderson's dog. Henderson saw it, and he didn't like what was going on, so he told Robin's what he thought of it, and um, I guess Robbins didn't like it. 
they got into it a little bit. Like, I guess, you know, Robbins was fired up because his dog was getting whooped. And I helped his dog attack the other one. That is uh, the strangest yeah. thing. <laughs> he held his dog so it could attack. And, and it, it could have been fun in the middle of a dog fight. No. So I'm guessing Robbins is pretty tough. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. I mean, I'm not, mean. Gonna, I'm not going to hold a dog that's, that's whooping my dog. Mm-hmm. He's going to be pretty tough. Yeah. If my, and my dog is big enough that if I hold it and help it, he can whoop. So it's not like a little ankle biter. Right. You know, these are dogs. These are big dogs. So they got into it. That night, Henderson passed by Robin's home, and he was shot down by Robin's. And like Rob, a drive-by? Well, he walked. I oh, don't know okay. if he walked, was walking or riding or what. Okay. He was going by the, the house. house. But Robin's was in his house. Henderson drove, rode by, walked by, whatever he was So doing. he was like stewing over this. I guess. And that night, well, hold on. Maybe. <laughs> hold on. And Robin's family was the only witnesses. And they claimed that Henderson started it, and he came after Robin's with a knife, and that Robin's had to shoot him or he'd be cut. So other people in the family, they came, they got there, and they found an open knife in the hands of Henderson, and he was dead. Mm. So since both the families lived right there in Mountain View, and they were both well-to-do in the community, a lot of people were interested in this case. Mm-hmm. So the Journal Gazette, but the Journal Gazette didn't show much interest in the case. Until three weeks later. Well, it, didn't, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't have any details of the trial or its outcome. Uh, a year later, the paper printed a story about the attorneys uh, who were hired by the Henderson family to pursue a prosecution of Robbins. They were suing the Hendersons for not paying the bill. So that made the story, but the, the murder trial didn't even make the story. But oh, Lord. The prosecutors sued the Hendersons for not paying their bill. So the article revealed that the outcome of the murder trial of John Robbins was a hung jury. Nine voted to convict and three for acquittal. And a new trial was ordered. Before that trial could be held, they said something happened that happened a lot back in this time in the Ozarks. Local justice, or injustice, the, mm. the article says, intervened. On August 14, 1900, about a month after the original event, John Robbins was dead. Who did it? Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> so the, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch picked up the story, and now Mountain View was, was in the statewide news. In 1900, Mountain View wasn't even incorporated, so it was a small town. Nobody knew about it, really, unless you were down that way, probably. St. Louis had probably never heard of Mountain View, but now they had. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch said, This vicinity is greatly excited over a mysterious assassination early yesterday morning of John Robbins, a prosperous farmer who lives near Trask, six miles west of here. The killing, undoubtedly the result of a feud which began in June when Robbins, the dead man, shot and killed Leonard Henderson, Mm. another farmer, in a quarrel over a dog fight. So, dun, dun, dun. yeah. So, what happened? Said Robbins was walking down the road and he had an axe on his shoulder. Oh. He was kind of pretty close to his house and, he, and a rifle shot was heard. He yelled, staggered, and he fell dead about 15 feet mm. from where he got, from where he first got hit. He was shot about an inch from his heart. An alarm was given and neighbors soon gathered at the scene of the crime, but no trace of the murderer was found. Hmm. 
Sounds like someone from the Henderson family. What it sounds like. They said after he was released, uh, Robbins would always carry a gun with him because he didn't know what was going to happen. Or an axe. The St. Louis Republic newspaper on August 15, 1900, added additional details that none of the other papers said. It said that after uh, Leonard Henderson had been killed, the Robbins residence, which was one of the finest farmhouses in the vicinity, was burnt to the ground. Mm. The Robbins were away at the time, and that since then, Robbins had been staying with his son. So he was, he was with the son that was, didn't live far away, so he was heading to his barn to feed his, feed his animals when he was shot. And it was about 20 yards from where he killed Henderson. Mm. Orchestrated and planned. The assassin was concealed in the corner of a fence, so yeah. So he was hiding out, waiting on Robbins to come by. He'd even made a blind for himself with the fence. He'd put, put some brush up so you couldn't see oh. his body. So he was hidden. He yeah. was hidden well. He's using camouflage pretty much. You know, 1900, that was, that was, all, that was camouflage for sure. Said Robbins got about 50, 50 yards of him and fired. They found an empty Winchester cartridge shell right there at the corner of the fence. After the shot, Robin's family ran out to him, and he was already dead when they reached him. Uh, the next day, the coroner was called from Willow Springs, and uh, he, he got together a, a, a jury, and they heard it, evidence and witnesses uh, that were there, and then they adjourned, and uh, right after that's when Robbins was buried. Uh, but there was no arrest, and the governor of Missouri actually offered a $200 reward for the arrest and conviction of the unknown murders of John Robbins. The reward was never collected. In 1901, this is when uh, Leonard Henderson's father and his brother were sued by the attorneys they, they hired to help prosecute uh, John Robbins. But since Robbins was murdered before he could be brought to trial, trial the second time after the hung jury, they felt like they didn't need to pay the attorney fee. Small judgment was awarded to the attorneys. This is, I guess this is still a cold, cold case because we don't know who killed who. Uh, we, well, we actually know John Robbins killed Henderson, but we don't know why. Leonard Henderson is buried in Hutton Valley Cemetery, and John Robbins is buried in the Walker Chapel Cemetery in Mountain View. So that's, uh, that's that story. That's an interesting story. Yeah, yeah, it is. Family drama. So that's uh that's the historic murder that I have. Shannon, what what do you have? Do you have something a little bit more more current? Yeah, I do. Um but it's not in Mountain View. Um because as you said, there was just not a whole lot on the interwebs. Right. Yeah, it was it was tough. It really um, was. And since you were doing a historic one, I thought I'll just go a few hours out and do a serial killer. And this guy was creepy, creepy. Like, I might have trouble sleeping tonight, just FYI. (laughs) Okay. Y'all ready for this? (laughs) Well, I may not tell it as well as the good research that's out there. Um, But Robert Berdella, a.k.a. the Kansas City Butcher, also known as the Collector. Have you heard of him? Ooh, No. If I have, I've forgotten, so Okay, I'll say no. Well, he was one of America's most gruesome serial killers. Berdella was born on January 31st, 1949 in Ohio. He was raised a Catholic, but quit attending church when he was a teenager. And by the late 1960s, Berdella attended Kansas City Art Institute in Missouri to be a professor. 
but he decided against that idea and changed gears a year later to become a chef. It was there that he began to fantasize about killing and torturing animals, which is if you do any kind of research on serial killers or anything, that's that usually checks a box. yeah. By his early 20s, he was drinking a lot, doing a lot of drugs. He was selling drugs at the college. He was just kind of in with a weird crowd. Um, And he was actually dismissed from the college when he murdered a duck for the sake of an art piece. Oh, oh, I have heard (laughs) of this guy. Have you heard of him? Yeah, I have heard of this guy. I did not look up like exactly what the piece was that's just i was like oh no, well, that's oh, interesting yeah. is it weird the, i've heard of this yeah okay. i don't remember the the art piece but i've heard of this guy for okay sure. yeah, yeah he's creepy uh Berdella then <laughs> you don't forget that <laughs> yeah I was like, yeah art piece with a dead duck yeah, yeah just for the sake like what is your what are right. you doing um but anyway so after he was kicked out of school he then opened up his own jewelry like art antique store yeah, but it was in like a back. flea market um and it was called bob's bizarre bizarre yeah yeah i've heard <laughs> this uh i've heard of this i'm gonna look at the podcast that i've heard this on. okay we'll give them a shout out so you can they'll uh, probably be way more to. detailed um than we are just because you know we work full-time you know we have lives but Super, he, the stuff that was in the antique store was very, um, how do I say this nicely? You had to be into that kind of theme. It was dark, that kind of, uh, vibe going on and weird. Um, Berdella was known to be a little odd. Obviously he killed a duck for an art piece, but he was liked by his peers. He also, I think, um, he struggled with um, getting along with others and held in some resentment and anger from some different articles that I read because he wore really thick glasses when he was younger and just odd. So I think he got made fun of and he just had a lot of issues that he didn't want to deal with. But his first victim that we know of was Jerry Howell, who was 19 at the time of his death. Jerry was the son of Berdella's friend, Paul Howell, who was actually a fellow merchant in the same flea market as Berdella. So he was across the aisle from him, so they knew each other. According to Berdella's testimony, he got Howell incredibly intoxicated with alcohol and Valium before binding him to the bed. He, Howell was tied to the bed for approximately 28 hours, all while being tortured, raped, and violated. Berdella claimed that he died from the medications being too strong and that he could not catch his breath due to the gag that was in his mouth. He then dragged Hal's body down into the basement where he hung his body over, like, ugh, it's so gross, where he hung his body over a large cooking pot. So I don't know how he got his body up because if you can imagine, a dead body is heavy. And he hung it up above a large cooking pot and made incisions in the inner elbows and in the jugular vein, leaving his blood to drain. And the next day, he dismembered the body with the help of a chainsaw and different knives. And he wrapped the body parts in trash bags and old newspapers. And he placed them in larger trash bags for the garbage men to collect. So that was the first known murder of Berdella. 
1985, Berdella committed his second known murder. The victim was 20-year-old Robert Sheldon. Sheldon met Berdella and asked if he could stay with him for a while. Berdella agreed to this, of course. Not long after staying there, Berdella drugged Sheldon with sedatives and made him stay in the bedroom for three days, torturing him. Not long after staying there, I'm talking about days, not weeks or anything. It was just days. He drugged Sheldon with sedatives and made him stay in the bedroom for three days, torturing him as well. Berdella would experiment with Sheldon for his own fantasies by putting drain cleaner in his left eye, placing needles underneath his fingernails, and filling his ears with caulk. On the third day of his torturing, a workman was coming to the house of Verdella to work on the roof. So he decided that he needed to go ahead and kill Sheldon um, by suffocation. And then he later, the next day and a couple days after, he dissected the body and dismembered him as well. Now, the third victim was months later in the same year, 1985. His name was Mark Wallace. Wallace had previously helped Berdella do some yard work. He had sensed the young man had some depression and some anxiety, and he offered him some injectables to help calm him down and relax. So I think Berdella just had, he had some drug issues, and he always encountered people with those issues as well. So it was easy for him, you know, to, I guess, strike those conversations. Wallace accepted, and half an hour later, Berdella held him captive. He carried Wallace to the second floor of his bedroom where he tortured him for 24 hours, applying volts of electricity to his, bo- to his body. This caused Wallace to go in and out of consciousness. Berdella then began inserting hypodermic needles into different parts of Wallace's back, exper- experimenting with the torture. Wallace died from the lack of oxygen from the gag placed in his mouth. So he he had an MO. He had a certain thing that he liked to do. And in September 1985, a few months later after Wallace, Berdella had another acquaintance named James Ferris who also needed a place to stay. Berdella, of course, opened his home yet again to this young man. He knew and he told cops, he told the authorities, He knew that he would hold Ferris captive before he even agreed to let him stay. And this is important because this is the the only one that he knew that he was going to torture and kill before he did anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. So he drug Ferris with tranquilizers that he crushed up in his meal, and he tied him to the second floor bed and tortured Ferris for over 24 hours. Berdella shocked the genitals of Ferris with 7,700 volts of electric shocks for up to five minutes at a time, and he would just see how much he could handle. Ferris became delusional due to the torture. Berdella also used the hypodermic needles in the neck and the genitals to experiment, and he said he was unable to stand for more than 10 to 15 minutes due to all the torture. He noted that he died from lack of oxygen. And on April 2nd, 1988, a neighbor found, a neighbor of Berdella had found a man who had came to his front porch and he was nude, wearing a dog collar fastened around his neck. This guy was frantic and he was telling the neighbor of this sexual abuse and torture that he was 
that he just went through from Berdella. So, of course, the neighbor called police. Police came. They searched his home, and they found four, almost 400 photographs of victims in various positions of when they were being tortured. So all those days, like three days of them being tortured, he would take these photos. He had a journal where he would know everything he was doing for every victim. He would say like he would have the time, like at 9.55 p.m., inserted hypodermic needle here. Uh, So-and-so's reaction was this. This is how he looked. This is how he sounded. I mean, detailed journal entries. He took photos. Um, He dismembered the bodies. He really was creepy. They found um, torture devices. Authorities did human skulls and bones. They found a whole human head in his backyard. So his torture diary, according to um, Thought Company, which is where I got a lot of my information and from Wikipedia and Murderpedia, um, Thought Company had put out that he, Berdella established these rules of the house, um, which the victims had to abide by or they were going to get beaten um, or tortured by using electric shock or, you know, the needles underneath their fingernails. And he, in a detailed diary that Berdella kept, he just kept up with all those details and made sure that he had the reactions and all that stuff from the victims in there. On December 19th and 1988, he pled guilty to one count of first degree and additional four counts of second degree murder for the deaths of the other victims. And he gave up everything so that he would not get um, the death penalty. And so he spent he was sentenced to life in prison, but he died at the age of 43 of a heart attack. Wow. Um, but he was Great. super creepy. Yeah. yeah, that was. I remember that story when you said that. Um, I couldn't find uh, an episode that I'd listened to in my, in my library, my podcast library, but there are several podcasts out there about this guy. So mm-hmm. And documentaries. Yeah. and yeah. yeah, It might have been a documentary. I can't remember exactly where I watched it, but I, I do remember that, that Duck Bernard project. Yeah. He, and there was, ugh. Yeah. That's just a wild story. Uh, I'm glad he, was, glad he was found, but that's a little scary that he died as a heart attack at 43. Uh, yeah. That's next year. For me, <laughs> well, I'll be 43, dad, but was, I'm not a serial killer. so uh, I think his dad died at 41 of a heart attack, so it was something probably that ran in his family. Yeah. Or the guilt could have ensued yeah, in him. And yeah. yeah. yeah that he, is not karma. He is, needed to be that's like. A lot, yeah, that was too easy for <laughs> yeah. him, for sure. Yeah. I mean, oof. he needed to serve his whole life. He needed worse than what he got. Yeah. All right. So, wow. Shannon, you found a weird one for sure that was so weird and we could have gone way into that one but i mean it would have taken a long long time um because he was just so he was out there yeah but anyway it is my turn to throw the dart it is it's your turn all right shannon's gonna throw the dart it's that time of the episode and here she goes she's gonna hit the atlantic ocean probably (laughs) uh no she hit the pacific south of uh, alaska the Gulf of Alaska does not count. Oh, we're going to South Alabama, North Florida. Okay, so she hit Bruton, Alabama. Bruton, <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Way down there. Way down in South Alabama. 
It is on the border of the panhandle of Florida. It's very close to Pensacola, just north, just right into Alabama, just north of uh, Pensacola. So uh, if you've been to Pensacola from Atlanta or Montgomery, Alabama, took that route down through Alabama, you've probably driven through Bruton. So it's right there. We've been close to it together on one of the vacations we went on. We mm-hmm. went, went down that way. Uh, so not far from Interstate 65. So there you go. So next week, Bruton. <laughs> Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> Roll Tide. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No roll tides around here. We can't 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 allow that. All right, come back next week and listen to that episode. Episode thirty three will be Bruton, Alabama. Uh I right, go to our website, yourtowncrimepodcast dot com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can send us an email at yourtowncrimepod at gmail dot com. And like I said earlier, if you email us, just uh be be forewarned that we probably that we'll probably read it on the on the on the air if it's good. Yes. If it's bad. We're not gonna <laughs> read it on the air. All right. But uh, you can go check us out on Instagram at Your Town Crime Pod, on Twitter at Crime underscore Town, on Facebook at Your Town Crime Podcast. We really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please share the show. Please let all your friends know about this cool new true crime podcast. It's a little bit different. All right, thanks. We'll see you next week. See you next week.